Welcome to Facts Roundtable, a podcast dedicated to navigating life with food allergies across the lifespan. Presented in a welcoming format with interviews and open discussions, each episode will explore a specific topic, leaving you with the facts to know or use. Information presented via this podcast is educational and not intended to provide individual medical advice. Please consult with your personal board-certified allergist or healthcare providers for advice specific to your situation. Hi, everyone. I'm Caroline Mawasasi, and I am your host for the Fact Roundtable podcast. I am a food allergy parent, advocate, and the founder of the Grateful Foodie blog, and I am Fact's Vice President of Community Relations. Before we start today, I just want to give a heartfelt thank you to Genentech for sponsoring the Fact Roundtable podcast. Please note that today's guest was not sponsored by Genentech or compensated in any way by the sponsor to participate in this specific podcast. As a community, living with food allergies is one of the many things that makes us different. At Fact, we embrace all differences and all people. To help us explore how to empower others and ourselves while embracing and leveraging our differences to make change, we're sitting down with author, changemaker, and food allergy mom, Ashley Brundage. Ashley is the founder and president of Embracing Differences, who will discuss her four-step process for using empowerment to cultivate change. Ashley will also discuss the intersectionality of LGBTQ and the food allergy community. Welcome, Ashley, to Facts Roundtable podcast. We are simply delighted and honored to host you on today's show. I personally am a huge fan. I have been reading your book. I'm working through the ebook. This is going to be such an exciting day for all of us. I'm so thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, you are very welcome. And before we dive into today's exciting show, can you share with listeners your absolutely amazing background and also how you became a member of our food allergy community? Oh my goodness. Yes, I would love to do that. I overcame harassment, discrimination, and homelessness in 2008, 9, and 10. It was quite a mission. And I decided to empower all of my differences. And that led me to become out and proud as a transgender mom and as a mom. And I have an amazing two sons, one of which has food allergy. And so I learned about fact and your organization years ago and was following the amazing empowering advocacy work that you all do so it was kind of like we were fangirling each other in some ways (laughs) but yes so i overcame all those things i worked to build a four-step empowerment process that anyone could do to drive empowerment of all of our differences that we have as humans including our makeup as an individual, which could include food allergies or lack thereof, and our way of driving empowerment through everything that makes you who you are. And that was how I overcame my obstacles and then became the National Vice President of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at PNC Bank after starting there as a part-time bank teller. I made that arc in four years, and it 
really changed not only my life, but it changed the lives for my kids as well. And having their support and their guidance as allies really made that difference. Now I get to run my own company and talk and share uh, empowerment and help people better understand how to use empowerment to leverage all the things that make us who we are as people on this planet. It's so interesting how we start off on one path and we have this complete vision in our head. And then as we embark on it, it changes and we pivot and we move. And then we end up in these absolutely magnificent places. Yeah. And, and, and that, that it's the journey, right? And everything that we're here on this planet doing is part of a journey. You're always navigating from one point to the next. Absolutely. And especially with food allergies, you know, when you think of a small child and you're just navigating all these changes and development and how you manage yourself and again, just everything in life. So to kick us off, you just mentioned, again, you wrote this book, Empowering Differences, and I already fangirled it just a few moments ago, just because it's my favorite at this absolute moment. We will be discussing your four-step empowerment plan really soon, but can you give us context about the book and why you wrote it? Yes, I love this question. I kept getting asked by people in my sphere when I was going to write a book, and they all wanted me to encapsulate my story into a book and just tell my story. And I just kind of always thought that that was a little bit strange in the fact that I don't know where my story is going to end up, and I'm still writing it as we're going through time together. (laughs) I started asking a lot of my friends and people who would say this to me. I said, well, what is it that you, why do you really want me to write a book? And then, and it was all kind of culminating when I became the national VP of DEI at PNC Bank, that they were like, how were you able to do that? (laughs) Can you write that book? And so I said, well, yeah, I mean, I have a process that I used. It's a four-step empowerment process. And then then someone told me, why is that not the book that you're writing? And so I kind of, you know, sometimes we have to get out of our own way. We present a lot of barriers sometimes that are, there's enough barriers that exist in this world already anyways. But we add, as humans, add the biggest amount of barriers for our own selves to our own success. And that's when I said, you know what, I'm going to start removing the barriers. (laughs) And it was in that moment that I said, you know what, I guess I need to figure out how I can get this done. And I started to cement the research needed to write a book about empowerment of all differences. I wanted to make sure it had an intersectional lens, that it wasn't just one person writing a book about empowerment, because I have 10 guest contributors who all share their perspective on how they drive empowerment and utilize the four steps, how they impact the 10 differences that I touch on in the book, but also how they drive impacts through the leadership actions necessary to empower people faster. You know, you were so right. We are our worst enemies, right? We have the tools to get out there and do what we need to do and be who we're supposed to be, but we just put these barriers unconsciously in front of ourselves. Yeah, well, so I can't. But also, sometimes we put them consciously there just out of fear or a glass ceiling. Glass ceilings exist in many places for people who have all differing things that make them who they are. So that sometimes is a real consequence of things that are society driven. 
as well. That is so true. And that's one of the elements I'm personally finding so powerful in your book is learning how to look at these different barriers and these different things and then leveraging those differences and leveraging the situations that I thought were unbearable or not even doable. But as I'm going through your book, I'm learning, oh, no, they're very doable. You know, you, there's something you can really do with this. So you know what, we just need to dive right in. What are these four steps of empowerment? <laughs> um, yeah, so step one is to know yourself. Only you can be the bearer of what is empowering versus what is disempowering. So really, Knowing yourself of where you fit in the world in relation to empowerment is incredibly important in your journey. I don't know if you've seen it. I've seen it. But you see the, a lot of marketing flyers and slicks and recruiting campaigns for organizations that say, oh, well, we empower our people. Come be a part of our team or come be a part of our organization. But really, an individual can be the only one that knows whether or not something is empowering to them and how you empower other people. So knowing yourself is really always going to be step one in any empowerment journey. And then as you start to realize that you have to also know how you're going to empower other people, it can't just be you. Yes, knowing yourself is about kind of assessing how much self-empowerment you will need depending upon your differences. So that's where also learning about all your differences that you hold as a human will come into this. So someone who might be moving from a negative 28 privileged position on the world in relation to all the things that make them who they are, then they may need to have more self-empowerment and then also need to garner empowerment from other people. And so that's where this navigation movement leads you into step two, which is to know others. You cannot drive empowerment truly in the world unless you know how it impacts other people. So for these first two steps, I built assessments that help people categorize their empowerment. So the empowerment self-assessment supports this and also the differences assessment supports this. Those assessments can actually be downloaded right from my website for free for anyone who wants to anywhere in the world, because I want to make sure I give people access to the assessments that are going to support them in their empowerment journey. And they will hopefully garner that awareness, the situational awareness. So that's going to lead them to the situational awareness of knowing yourself and knowing others. So that way you're ready to really start driving empowerment into the latter steps of the process. Can you share with listeners a little bit of what to expect on those assessments? Because when I started those assessments, I expected one thing and something else came, which was fabulous because it just dove right in. I mean, it just went right to my core. Yeah. So the self the empowerment self-assessment is open-ended questions. And those questions were purposely curated to get to your own comfort zone and to help you understand what does empowerment mean to you and how do you drive empowerment for people, basically. It's a list of questions that are all open-ended. And ultimately, what we're trying to drive is to get you to actualizing what empowerment means to you. And then the differences assessment is really a categorization of privilege versus disprivilege in relation to all the 10 differences that you hold as a human. 
And these 10 differences is, of course, kind of a subset of all the things that make us who we are. I wanted to kind of limit it to 10. So some are looped in together. So your physical ability is a part of your makeup, right? That's where if you have a food allergy, it lives right there in that section. So those are kind of the step one and two of the four steps. The next part is kind of where we transition into like start developing and taking action around utilizing empowerment. So step three then is to develop your strategy. And what I mean by that in the framework is which differences should you be empowering in which setting? Because every setting that you navigate in, certain things about your identity can come out in that moment. And then you can choose whether or not you want to amplify it or not amplify it, right? And that's where that moment will always happen where you can get pigeonholed about having a food allergy. You can get pigeonholed about being LGBTQ or me for being trans or me for having a hidden disability. All of those things about who your identity is. Have you ever been in a situation where someone has gone hypervigilant on one of the things that make you who you are? Then that means that you should be broadening your strategy, right? Developing your strategy for all 10 of your differences. Because some may have a privilege, some may have a disprivilege, some may be in the middle. But if you don't know, as you're navigating through this journey of where you fit on that meter, then that's where this program becomes more powerful for you. The other part about developing your strategy also is where you start setting up the plan to create action. Because empowerment is about taking action. It's about making it measured impacts to impact change through our differences. And you do that through leadership actions. And so I call these leadership actions empowering actions. Because if you combine empowerment with each action that you do, now you're able to actually communicate what the impact is that's being driven that makes it empowering. And so that will lead you to the last step, which is the empowering actions, is the fourth step of the four-step process. So there are 10 actions that came from my research. Each of the 10 actions have a prioritization for how you can impact the differences faster. So for example, for the LGBTQ plus community, if you focus on providing access and inclusion and empowerment, then those are the three actions in my 10 actions that I would ask you to focus on first. Not that the other seven you shouldn't do, but those are the three that are gonna impact the LGBTQ plus community faster. And then on the flip side, for our differences in relation to our, our makeup as a human, so if we're talking about food allergies, then the prioritization there is where you're providing access would be one of the actions. Education would be one of the actions. And then the last one would probably be enlightenment as far as how, which of the three that you would, the top three that you would want to focus on to drive impacts faster. 
So now with these four steps, not that I want to give change a timeline, but if someone is starting to look at these and embark on these four steps, is this something they should get in their mind that that's going to take several months or a year or weeks? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not technically static to a time frame, and it's not step one, two, three, and four, and then you're done. So you can apply the four steps to every single situation that you put yourself into. If you're going to be going out to dinner, you can apply the four steps to where you're going to go, right? You're going to know yourself into where you're going and how that's going to impact you. You're going to know others and be able to do a little bit of research on the place that you're about to go to. And then you're going to develop a strategy around how you're going to make the empowerment happen in that dinner that evening around who you're going to be with, how you're going to highlight you as an individual. And then, of course, you're going to show up and you're going to take the action. So really, you can apply it to every situation, but you can also work throughout the process. Now, when I built it as a leadership course, I framed it to where someone would would really invest about 40 hours of time frame between reading the book and taking the workbook and doing the curriculum and watching the videos that I created that go with it, right? That can be done in one week, right? It could be done in a couple of days. It could be done in three months, one month. It really depends on, on the individual and how many other things you're working on at the same time. Thank you for giving us that glimpse into what to expect. It sounds very exciting, honestly. I'm just really excited again for myself and my family to look at these steps and experience these steps. And I really like how you gave the example of eating out because that's one that someone with food allergies can definitely relate to. And not only is it to have a good time, but that's safety right there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And honestly, it starts to limit the authority bucket. So this gets into kind of a broader construct of the research that I did. So I dissected empowerment. And when I dissected empowerment in my research, I realized that there was the authority bucket of empowerment, and there was the power bucket of empowerment, and then there is people. And those are the three parts. There always has to be those three things happening at every moment for there to be empowerment present. So the authority portion of empowerment is all of the human-centric feelings that we get from what we're about to do or what we're doing or where we're going. It's also how we see ourselves. Oh, do we see ourselves represented in the menu? Do you see yourself represented in an organization that you work at? Do you see yourself represented in the advertising campaign. All of those things are part of the authority. Is there is there safety in numbers? Is there safety in the menus? Do you know that that person knows what they're talking about? Those are all authority-driven items that give you the confidence to order what you want or to be in the space that you want to be in. It's that That's that ultimate intersectionality, right, between LGBTQ and the food allergy community is the authority for how we have to build up confidence to exist in spaces. And then, and those are all really hard to, to measure, right? Whether you have authority to be present and to be there. Like an organization or a corporation is going to try to always do surveys for their employees or human, human capital survey. The reason they do those is to find out whether or not there's the authority for the employees, they're, they're trying to measure the authority bucket and empowerment. 
But the power bucket in empowerment is way easy to measure. How many times did you have to use the EpiPen, right? You know exactly how many times that that happened to you. You know exactly how many times you had to go to the hospital, right? So power bucket is the amount of money it costs and how much more money it costs to buy allergy safe food versus non-allergy safe food. You can actually probably put a statistical number on it. That's the power part of empowerment is knowing what that number is, knowing what the economic impact is. It's knowing all of those things that relate back to some sort of measurable number. How much time did someone spend educating on food allergies or the LGBTQ plus community? That's a, the amount of time is the power item in empowerment. So you have authority, you have power, and then lastly, you have people. And it's the people in the middle. If, you, if you're able to communicate to someone exactly what is the authority that's being driven, what is the power item or the number that's involved in the conversation, and who, who is connected to it, now you're utilizing the app of empowerment in my program that allows you to have the confidence and be able to communicate it to others. This is powerful, excuse the pun, but this is just really great, powerful information. So now, on your website, you mention embracing and leveraging our differences to make change. What tips might you have for our listeners for those times when maybe they're feeling overwhelmed or defeated or just really down? Mm. Yeah, well, I, I think it connects back to what I was talking about, the app of empowerment. You have to do more authority building exercises to stand up and fight against some of the things that happen in this world that are not may not be giving you the authority. And so an authority building exercise might be mindfulness. It might be meditation. It might be research. It might be reading a book. It might be listening to a podcast, right? I think you have to put yourself in a position where you hear from someone who has maybe fought through some of these systematic oppressions that exist. Those are going to be things that contribute to building your authority to exist in this world. Because sometimes there's a lot of things that will work against us and you can't let those things chip at your authority because that's what ends up happening when you see it happen or you hear, you know, there's a lot of legislation that's been coming out lately, especially involving the LGBTQ plus community. And really, if you center around navigating through and utilizing empowerment as the way you move throughout the world and you keep track of what are the things that you're contributing that build your authority and build up the power and empowerment and who you're connecting it to, then you can fall back on those as a way to leverage. So for me, you know, I think about having a door slammed in my face from a potential employer and having the cops called on me during a job interview. Those were things that actually happened to me that were trying to chip at my authority. But in the end result, I took them as positive fuel to fight a little harder <laughs> to navigate and leverage my differences and share about why I'm here to bring all of me to this conversation 
and it's truly going to make a difference, hence empowering differences. That is so inspiring how you used it as fuel rather than just being defeated and just melting out. Instead, you just turn that into fire. But and that that's the thing, though, is that it when someone does something that is chipping away at your authority, it's they may not be even doing it to you on purpose. But the sheer fact that it could be happening means then if you have that situational awareness to know that that's happening, this is where you want to really start to hone more in on the power part of empowerment. Because if you can share that, that's when I started talking about economic buying power statistics. So I would show up and I would say, you know, I'm not one transgender person. I'm one of two million transgender people who exist in the United States alone. And that would change the framework of how somebody else was interacting with me because now they were actually seeing that I represented a broader community that was bigger than what they were thinking. Or I would talk about the $1.7 trillion buying power of the LGBT business community which is the 10th largest economy in the world. And I would say that as I was trying to grow my career. So it's all about how you communicate the information, hence leveraging differences to impact change, because you're sharing the change is the, is the impact numbers. Those matter. There it is. That is just, again, brilliant. So now turning our attention back to the intersectionality of food allergies and the LGBTQ plus community, what are your thoughts on that topic? You already touched on it a little bit, but let's go a little deeper now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it always comes down to situational awareness. I honestly really, I think having the ability to educate others, there's lots of education that happens in the LGBTQ plus community space where you have lunch and learn, or you have, a, I think I've probably presented enough trans 101s to, to equal like a million and one. <laughs> um, so you, we always work to try to educate others. And, and I think that that's probably the biggest intersection because education is not just one of the 10 most common differences that we have as humans, as we learn and grow as humans, you have the opportunity to learn about the LGBTQ plus community, and you have an opportunity to learn about the food allergy community. It's two different communities, but sometimes it could be people who are intersexually involved in that. You know, when I go out to dinner with my son, we're having a natural intersection in that moment. But it's also one of the 10 empowering actions because education is one of the 10 actions as well. So it's the ultimate intersection in my program because it's not only something that you can do as an action to impact other humans, hence the empowering action portion, but it's also something that you can do for yourself to gain situational awareness. So I think that that's probably the ultimate intersection between those two dynamics and it all really depends on how much you advocate and then also do you validate. So the other action that, that I love in this space is enlightenment. And enlightened as an action is where you not only are educating, but now you're working to do the validation of said education. 
because education is always going to be something that people will do to meet bare minimum requirements. Honestly, sadly, that's what ends up happening. People will, you know, get that certification and then move on. And then sometimes they'll remember some of that stuff. But it's the enlightened portion that then brings them to know that it's top of mind, it's frame of mind, it comes right back, you've now validated that they understand. And that empowering action really drives so much more empowerment for the future. That's one of my definite intersections in this space. This information has just been amazing. Our time is fairly short with each other, but this has been critical, I think, and just really breaking down some of those basics and that you're empowering us again, using that word again, but you really are empowering us to take charge and to leverage things and just turn it around in the way that we need it to be. So before we wrap up today, is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners that you just think they got to know this before they turn off the podcast and head on to whatever they're doing today? What is it you want them to know? You're not alone in this. There is so many resources. There are so many people doing great work in this space. I think it's important to to know that you have me as an ally. So if you're on this journey and you're thinking about that it's tough or you should follow me on social media and we should stay connected, I'm pretty searchable. Ashley T. Brundage. (laughs) I would definitely be there to support you in your journey. I always try to make time for people because time is one of those things that is probably the most valuable of all the power items that are easy to track because you know exactly how many minutes, hours, and seconds you spend. And while we're here recording, it's telling us exactly how many time, how much time we've been here uh, doing this. So you're listening for how much time that, that you've been listening, right? So all of that is, is tracked. And having that awareness, I think, is really important. And then I would also just say, if you want to connect more on empowerment, I also host events surrounding empowerment. I am having an empowerment conference in November on a cruise ship, which is going to be an amazing five-night experience. So I would love to see you there. It's called the Voyage of Empowerment. (laughs) But yes, definitely excited to connect more. And listeners, I absolutely promise that in the show notes, I will have all the links to the different events, to Ashley's book, to her social media, so you can follow her. So don't fear, I will have all of that ready for you. And Ashley, thank you once again for your time. I know you are incredibly busy and we appreciate you spending time with us. Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. I'm so thrilled to have been partnering with you all. Before we sign off today, I just want to take one more moment to say thank you to Genentech for sponsoring Facts Roundtable Podcast. Thank you for listening to Facts Roundtable Podcast. Stay tuned for future episodes coming soon. Please subscribe, leave a review, and listen to our podcast on Pandora, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Have a great day and always be kind to one another.